Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. If you're an interior design professional, you're a stager, you're a stylist, you are a landscape designer or an architect, you're in the right place. This is Business of Design, and I'm glad you're here. I want to say right off the bat, thank you so much to Kravit Inc., Kravit Fabrics. You know, they've been around since 1918, and they are a fifth-generation family-run business. That probably explains why their customer service is so good. Of course, I rely on them as my go-to resource for fabric and wall coverings and trimmings, and now even carpet and furniture, thanks to Kravit Curated. I find they really understand the pressures of my business. Their customer service is excellent. They have a vast variety of fabrics to choose from. And frankly, I love doing business with them. Thank you so much, Kravit Inc., for sponsoring our Business of Design podcast. And now on to the show. Welcome to episode 16. I'm so glad you're here. The sun is shining. It's a gorgeous day. And my husband is out on the golf course with some buddies. I am not the least bit jealous. I would much rather be here with you. And it doesn't hurt that I am a lousy golfer. I mean, the worst. Epically bad. I'm so bad I hold everyone up on the course as I hit that little ball over and over and over again to sink it into the tiny hole. Last time I golfed, and honestly, I hope it's the very last time I ever golf, my companions were so desperate to help me get through the course, and desperate, I think, to get to the 18th hole so they could have a beer or whatever, that they allowed me to take do-overs. And that's, you know, when you hit the ball multiple times as I approached the cup so I could get the darn thing in the hole and we could move on to the next one. I like do-overs. And I had a conversation on this episode that made me think of the concept of the do-over. If you could go back in your business knowing what you know now and do it over, what would you change? I was able to ask just that of today's guest, and I think you're going to learn a lot from his answers. Uh, Full disclosure, though, he's got a lot of praise for business of design, and that's awesome. I'm super appreciative. Uh, But you need to know he is not paid, uh, that we met online, and uh, I did ask him to keep the praise to kind of a minimum, but I think his, his perspective and his insight is helpful, and he is an awesome guest. So who is he? Adam Skugel is a part time design professional whose full-time job is in the financial industry. So that's kind of curious for those of you who are working part-time as a designer thinking you're going to make the transition. I think he's got some great insights about that. Adam lives and works in Sydney, Australia. And when I asked him how he found Business of Design, he said it was through the Facebook group Designer Therapy. And in particular, a designer who's been on the podcast before, the wonderful Veronica Solomon. And we're definitely going to have her back. So Thank you to Designer Therapy, thank you to Veronica, and thank you to anybody who is contributing in a positive way to sharing strategies for success in this business. It's great. A rising tide lifts all boats. We all benefit when one of us improves, so it's wonderful. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden, brought to you by Business of Design, a coaching community for independent designers like you. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Adam, it's so fun to talk to you. What time is it there in Australia? 5.45 a.m., You are a dedicated man. So it is afternoon here. It's like 4 p.m. So we've got quite a time distance between us. But I'll tell you, that's about all there is uh, that separates us. Because when I read your emails, when I hear your experience, I think exactly what's happening for you in the interior design world has happened for me and is happening for the rest of us. So it really doesn't matter where you live. I'm so glad you reached out to us. And I think people are going to be eager to hear your experience of trying to transform transition into the world of interior design. And I'm really curious to know how your existing back 
background in the finance world contributes to how you're going to run your business. So why don't we start there? What do you do now full time, Adam? So I'll just, I'll, I'll probably just clarify there, Kimberly. So I started my business in 2010, the, the interior design business. What I have done is pretty much uh, ran the business on the side while I still worked uh, in finance, which I've, I've been working in finance for 17 years. And the way that it's worked for me to date is, uh, and I've done a number of projects um, to date over the years, obviously, but I've, I've, I've had to had people to contract so I've had um, somebody I was actually working with somebody for a while and that person was was working in a full-time capacity on this um, on this business while I was working in finance so um, like I said I'm still working in finance but um, I still I don't know why some days as you very well know and most of us know I don't know why some days I still want to do it with everything that the crazy stuff that goes on but um definitely still have that point of arrival being that I can leave um, what I'm doing um but I feel like it's kind of I guess it it's weird for me to think that I'm I'm just starting out because I've actually been working in the, the industry for about 7 years probably for about four or five years, um, you know, consistently in terms of having project after project. But, yes, it's true, I'm still working in finance and I still have not cut the cord. Um, and the way I've been able to do that is just to, to have people work as contractors for me, basically. Well, you're not the first professional who has worn two hats and had a, a full-time job and then done design on the side. That's not unusual. But what is a little bit unusual is that your full-time gig is finance. And I have to think that sort of strong business background is going to help you succeed in interior design, whether or not you transition full-time. Because a lot of people are listening and think, I do it part-time, I do it part-time, uh, and that's fine. And how you've managed to do that, I think, is going to be really interesting to everybody. So let's start. I'm dying to know, how did you find business of design? Because we are just now getting a lot of members from Australia. And I don't know if you were the first one, but you were certainly one of the first ones. How did you find us? I found Business of Design through a thread on a group. Uh, now, I don't know whether the group was Designer Therapy, which is mostly, I think, US-based. And I, know, I think you know that group. I do. I know. I'm you know familiar group, with a lot of them. Yeah, we have a lot of members who are in that group. And I, I do think they're US-based for the most part, Yeah. I don't know how I got into that group, but I have, I've had for about two or three years these fantastic conversations. Can I do a little shout out to somebody in that group that you know very well? Of course. Your first guest? Veronica. Veronica Solomon. <laughs> She's so we're awesome. Great mates. <laughs> we're virtual buddy best friends. I, I don't know if she feels that way. I feel that way. No, she's been terrific. Um, so we met on that group and it's funny because she started out on this podcast in terms of the, being the first guest, which I thought was great. Um, but yeah, I found, I found business of design through that group and, and I think it was even, uh, you know, ended up speaking to Veronica a lot online and other people, but there was a, th yeah, what, what actually happened, I'll go into a little bit further detail on how I um, pretty much signed up there was a thread and it was like have you guys heard of Kimberly Seldon business of design do you, do you know what do you guys think of the the, the program and I thought because I was really at that time and this is late last year and this is late last year after having having the year that I spoke about um, you know when I communicated what how things had been going and how business of design had really changed my mindset in terms of how I wanted to run my business moving forward. Um, it was really, okay, what, who is this, to be honest with you, Kimberly, because I haven't, <laughs> hadn't heard of you before, even though um, I think you're amazing and you've been around forever. I say that in a lovely way. But um, so I thought, who is Kimberly Seldon? What's business of design? I'm just going to look it up. I think I came across you on YouTube. And then, which I think happens to a lot of people, there was the free content which actually was on YouTube and I thought, hang on a second, this is, this, hello, like is she talking to me? All of this stuff is exactly what I've gone through for the last seven years. Right. So I want to go a bit further. And I ended up joining Business of Design in December last year and 
this sounds really tragic, but I could pretty much, I think probably every day or every second day, I would be watching a video and sometimes I watch your videos over and over again because I just resonate in terms of I cannot believe that, you know, that all of these things that, that happen to all of us or we let happen, I think that's a key thing, all of these things that we let happen in terms of how we run our business um, and, and all of pitfalls, as you know, they're just so, they were relevant to me and I thought, my gosh, um, and I just signed up for really expensive one-on-one business coaching with a corporate firm the week before I joined Business of Design. And as I went through the next four months of paying lots of dollars for this corporate training, I thought, I've done that. I can tick the box. Thank you very much. I could have probably saved $11,000 and just sat here with Business of Design and I think I would have known pretty much how the next chapter was going to look through your courses. So that's why I'm an advocate of, of Business of Design because it just resonates and I think the fact that I've had the experience um, of going through all, all of these, I wouldn't say they're disasters because they turn out in the end, but going through all of that drama and going, oh, how the hell did I get here? <laughs> and it was just that I, I thought, you know what, if I had these systems in the beginning, I think it would have been a much different outcome. But I think I'm one of those people, Kimberly, that has to live it for a little bit and live the pain. <laughs> right. And then go, okay, I, I felt that. Right. <laughs> now I'm really going to do it differently. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's a bit of a background on how I found you. Isn't that fun? Okay, so you met virtually Veronica, who's in Texas. I spend my time between Toronto and Los Angeles, and you're in Australia. And the very first time I started speaking about the topics that we talk about in business of design was to a very big crowd in Toronto. I was terrified. I felt ashamed and humiliated that if I really told people the truth of how badly I struggled and how often I screwed up, they would think I was the biggest loser in the whole world. And instead, what I found is every single person in the audience said, me too, me too. And so what I'm so happy about is this open sharing that you discovered through designer therapy on Facebook and that Veronica definitely um, is part of and that now so many people are so open and honest with each other. And the thing is, it's not pie. If Adam does really well at work, it doesn't mean I'm not going to do well at work, people. We can all have a piece of this. So thank you so much for being such an incredible advocate. Now, I want to know, because you've got this business background, and by the way, thank you so much for all all of those lovely compliments. That was so nice of you. You've got this business background, and most of us come at this without that business background. And that's one of the things that's so valuable that we try to teach at Business of Design. Do you think you had a leg up on the rest of us because you're familiar with the world of finance and you can perhaps talk money in a way that some of us are afraid to? I wish I could say that was true, Kimberly, but wow. it isn't. Really? I think what... <laughs> really? Uh, oh, my you, gosh. You, know you see, you no, just imagine no, you put stuff no. on other people and you think, oh, he's got it going on in this department. Must be so easy for him. So, no, really? Well, it only it took me until about two years ago to get a bookkeeper. <laughs> and um, I don't know why I didn't do that before then. Uh, so, I, you know, I wish I could say, oh, well, yes, I've definitely had all, all of the, the finance part down. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't disastrous, but it was um, – and, again, this goes back to me, um, you know, relying on other people to, to do some of the basics. But um, I didn't hire a bookkeeper until two years ago, and that's probably the first thing I'd say for anyone to do that's working – um, that because I don't, I'm a, being a creative person. Of course, I don't like to sit there and uh, balance the books, or I don't even like doing the invoices and and, and purchase orders and all of those things. But um, no, I, I wish I could say that I was I was really on top of that. Probably the one thing that helped me because I've I've managed teams of people is just the communication generally with with the client and getting ideas across and acknowledging what they want to get out of it and, and making sure that it's all about what this, you know, the, the solution that they're going to get out of it and just the joy of having a home because I focus on residential 
um, decoration and design. Um, that's really the client relationship, I think, just in terms of that dialogue. But the finance part, believe it or not, wasn't the, the strength. Wow. That actually makes me feel good because I sometimes think I was born missing this really important ability to talk money. And uh, the fact of the matter is a lot of us are born that way and it's uncomfortable. One of the things that you said in one of your emails to us is that you used to do a turnkey approach to design and decorating projects, but you decided you weren't going to do that anymore and the results were not exactly good. So tell me how you... Oh my God. (laughs) Tell tell us about that. (laughs) Well, you know what, I, I um, this is about 2012 and I'd done a couple of years of just, and this is the thing, I think it's great if people can work for a firm and at least get the basics of a process or, or, or find business of design um, early. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so a couple of years of just whatever, it, whatever was happening, you know, being run around ragged or letting myself get run around ragged by you know, a couple of clients. 2012, though, um, I said to the client, and this is, I was working with someone else at the time who, who was my full-time, really daytime support, and um, we said to the client, would you like to leave your home and go on holiday for two weeks and we're going to do the whole thing? Oh, we thought, well, the wife said this, oh, we, we thought you'd say that, we hoped you'd say that. And I said to to the, the person I was working with, um, let's do this. We think we can do it in two weeks. And um, my godfather, the two weeks that we endured um, at that point was crazy and very stressful. But we ended up doing it two weeks and three days later and they came back and we'd done the whole house. So we'd... Um, Well, when I say we did the whole house, we didn't do the kitchen and bath, but we did. It was a large house, uh, but we did all of the decorative stuff, cabinetry. Um, We we had furniture made, like dining table, uh, you know, and a custom-made fireplace, and uh, we had mirrors and and tables and all of this custom-made stuff, a bed. So it was custom, but it was really furnishings. Um, but there's a whole heap of stories I could tell you about that project. But, look, to answer the question, yeah, we did it and they came home and they hadn't, as you know, they hadn't been through any of the drama, which is guaranteed. Anyone that tells me that they haven't had any problems, I just kind of look at them and go, oh, isn't that lovely? And I think, are you telling me the truth? Because that doesn't happen. So we had all sorts of problems, but we got through it. And and this this is why. Um, I think it's key, is that they just referred us on to the next client and then we did the same thing for the next client and and they left the house and came back and it was even better than the first time, had just as many dramas and and disaster stories that we sort of pulled together within that time frame. But um, we did it again and then we did it again after that. And then I parted ways with the person that I was working with um, and I ended up sort of thinking, well, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to offer um, some design work and I'm just going to, if the client wants to do it themselves, they can do it. But that opens the door to all sorts of problems. Wait, wait, and, you, um, you wanted, you offered yeah. design work, but the client was going to do it. How does that work? What does that even mean? You give the client ideas and then they go out and execute? Yes. Oh, I bet that so went well. Seriously, I need a martini. This well. is fun, Adam. It hasn't gone well. Tell me, tell me. <laughs> oh my gosh. So um oh, yeah, sure. So here we go. I'm gonna design da 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 and, and here's here's all of the, the, the products and these are the colours and this is this is my idea for the cabinets and, and you know, this is how you can do it. And, um, and then I started to create the type of client, I think, that uh, went for that. And with that type of approach and the people that will potentially can be interested in that, I was really setting myself up for failure because, uh, you know, it's one thing to say, here it is. But so I had a letter of agreement and different to your uh, contract, Kimberly, in that it was, was, you know, not as detailed at all. And it really didn't have all of the terms of what was uh, allowed in terms of our relationship and ongoing follow-up. 
So I really set myself up for, for calls at all time. I've just got the couch and, you know, there's no legs on the bottom. And um, what are you going to do about that? Because I ordered it through you and, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And here I am taking a call and then I'm calling the the place that, uh, you know, that uh, produced the product and it's turned up without legs. And then somebody's forgotten to turn up the week after with the legs that go on the bottom. And you can hear you can hear the sort of disaster that I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. So, um I just I sort of did that and thought, oh, gee, this is really not not what I'm used to, and it's not that great. So I went through that process, and as you can imagine, um, not being there to manage anything, um, and not having a system. Even you know, I look at the uh, fifteen step process, and I think you know, even if I was doing a one room project, if I'd have been following this particular process. Uh, I would be okay and, and we'd be a lot better off. But I, I had this string of uh, design projects. I'm using my inverted commas here, but uh, that, that I DIY pretty much. It's a bit like e-design except I'm going out and doing a consultation, taking I, a few measurements. I think this is so <laughs> important to talk about. There's a lot of people who think that exactly what you describe is the way to go and that you do a flat fee for that. So in other words, they come up with the design and they show them pictures and they give them links and they say to the client, now you go and you buy it all. And they walk away and they've gotten their flat fee and they like it because they said it's not a pain, there's no follow-up. But the fact of the matter is that project never gets completed to a degree that you could get a photograph of it and you never get a repeat or a referral customer because they realize what a pain in the rump it is to do that hard work. And you said something so important and then you began to attract the customers who wanted that. And suddenly you get in this loop of working for the type of client you don't want to work for anymore and it's very hard to get out of it, right? Oh, that is so true, Kimberly. And But uh, it was really me that initiated it all and, and I think ab- absolutely what you said is exactly the way that it turned out. So I did about eight of those last year and did I get one re- – I, I think I got one referral. I got a call the other day um, but, but, you know, it – it's it's definitely not the way to go. This is nothing against e-design. I'm just sort of talking about the fact that it was similar to me because you're, you're coming in for a very short period of time and then it's like a, a PDF almost that you're sending off. Mm-hmm. It's like e-design. But um, you're right. So I didn't get to see any of the outcome. It wasn't fulfilling. Uh, the clients I don't think were there was just nothing there. There was, there's no relate ongoing relationship. Right. In fact, it can really go the other way. And um, especially if, if you make the mistake, well, my mistake, uh, learning experience of ordering furniture as well and them taking on the delivery, that can be catastrophic. And uh, I had a situation last year where um, I ended up taking back over the project and saying, look, let me just come in here Um and these go against all of the principles of business of design, but we'll tell, we'll tell it as it is. I just came in and said, look, I'll come in and just let me finish this because, you know, I was getting calls. Oh, you know that, and this is custom. I ordered all of this custom furniture for one client last year. She said, oh, everything's great. I said, yeah. And she goes, oh, well, it's just one piece. You can just sell it to another customer because you've made it too big. Ooh. I thought, yeah. Okay, so we're talking about a two grand chase. Um, I'm not going to sell it to another customer because there's not another customer ready for that custom size piece that I just designed. Right. So I said, let me race over and actually have a look at the situation. And they just installed it too far across on this huge rug. And um, because nobody really had any idea about how it should be sitting and on the rug, I said, well, it's, it's just they've delivered it and placed it too far across. We just need to move it over. So ridiculous sort of things like this that happen. But for a minute there, I'm thinking, have I created something that is too big and I oh do have gosh. to take it back because I've mismeasured? Just just ridiculous sort of stuff like and, this. And your whole but, body, um, by the way, goes into a fight or flight reaction. Like the stress is so intense in that moment. 
um, like, right? Like you just feel like, oh my God, I think I'm going to have a heart attack because your intention was not to give her something that was too big for the room and didn't fit and have an unhappy customer. So I uh, believe me, I know the other day we were doing an installation and the client's husband had a desk that was his grandfather's and he asked us to get the desk refinished. So we never saw the desk. The desk was in storage. We had it picked up from the storage unit, delivered to our refinisher. It had been refinished and we delivered it to the house. Do you know it never occurred to me to measure the desk for the doorway into the office? And I was so lucky. We had to remove the door, but not the door frame, and then the desk fit into the room. And I thought, there you go, another one for the books, another situation I didn't anticipate. If we had designed the desk or purchased the desk, I would have measured it. We would have measured the door opening, but it was just one room in the client's house they already own the desk. I made some assumptions, and right there, I thought, "Oh my gosh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to remove the door frame and fix the door frame, and have a very unhappy customer." It all worked out fine, but in those moments, we feel horrified, terrified, um, embarrassed. You know, all of those things kind of run through our mind as if we've made some horrible mistake. Oh, that's so true. Yeah, that is so true. And that's not the only thing um, that went wrong on that project as well. But, I mean, I don't know if we want to talk about that. But it's just uh, it's, it's just really – it's just a big lesson in all of the things that you really have to consider and, and protect yourself with, and that's by having – well, a, a, you both basically have to have a system, as you know, and then a contract with that covers a, a great deal of, of things um, – yeah, and written so, so yeah, plainly, that, that's right? My experience. The contract very, written, yes, written very, very much so. Yeah, written very plainly, so that there's no question in everybody's mind how this is going to work. So, Adam, if you could uh, have a time machine and go back in time to your very first job, tell me what are the things you would make sure you had in place that would help you avoid the mistakes that you've made already. And by the way, I know you've learned so much for those from those mistakes, but the fact of the matter is we repeat the same resp- mistakes over and over again if we don't come up with a new way of doing things. So you get a time machine, you get to go back in time, starting at the beginning, what would you have in place to make sure you could do your work effectively and really thrive in the interior design profession? Absolutely, Kimberly, have, well, processes, you know. Can you name one that you think that really, can you name a process that you think is critical or your top three favorite ones? Oh, definitely. So having the contract that covers all of those things that we know are critical. But, I mean, look, if we just talk about, um, you know, if I just think about the 15 steps and step one is a consultation with a documented mandate and and an an action plan, you know, I think my consultations used to be a bit sort of breezing in and, you know, it's a bit of a meet and greet. And and that's why on my website now, based on what I know about how the consultation should run or I'd like it to run, I don't want to do it any other way now, but, um, you know, I want to have a, a form and I want to have a mandate and I want to have these actionable items that I'm writing down and we're following a process and, we, we, you know, we are going room to room. I used to have a consultation process where we just have a chat. Right. And of course, we talk about the home, but we really, you know, there might be an email that followed, you know. The, the, obviously, the fee was a lot lower, um, but it was really a meet and greet and it was a bit of this and a bit of that. So, it already starts off... Um, it already starts off on an on uneven footing and, and especially, and I, I even reached out to you on the forum about this, Kimberly, but it's also about going, okay, well, I won't charge, you know, my friend or a colleague. I'll just come out for a couple of hours and we know each other and I won't mm-hmm. charge for it and, you know, that that's the right thing to do, but it isn't the right thing to do either. So mm-hmm. I think if, you, if I went back to my first project, which seems like a million years ago, I didn't charge anything actually for the first project. Um, because it was a small decorating job for a friend. And yeah, me too. Me too, by the way. <laughs> My first project also. Um, the second one, which to me, uh, Kimberly, is kind of this, feels the same as if, as if it was a first project as well. The second one was, again, no process. Uh, what, what can the client um, have in terms of your time? Um, how many selections can she make? 
Um, she doesn't like that white. What about this one? No, don't like that either. No, don't like that either. Don't like that dining table. Don't like this. Don't like that. So if you're doing a flat fee or you're not, I think mm, there's got to yeah. be, you know, I kind of think, gee, if I had that nice strong hourly rate and, you know, she can make as many selections as she likes if, if I'm sending her a bill each month because she's pretty quickly going to make a decision at some point. If she has a contract that tells her that she's getting an hourly uh, fee, there's an hourly fee which is $180 an hour and it's going to be billed at the end of the month or the first five days or whatever. But um, those are the basics, you know. It's just mm -hmm. just the systems. Um, I hope I answered the question. Oh, my gosh, for um, sure you did. Yeah. For sure you did. A, a lot of the industry will go out to these meet and greets, and one thing that I've learned through doing a lot of research is there's actually a 50% greater chance that you're going to get a project out of the consultation if you – um, not only charge for that consultation, you're going to get more of those face-to-face -face meetings that turn into projects. But once you're there, if you actually read your contract to the client and ask for a yes at that meeting, you will increase the number of projects you receive by 50%. And now we've done some tracking through business of design folks and they've said, yeah, I used to do it this way. Now I do it the way that you suggest and I'm getting a lot more jobs. In fact, I'm having to say no to jobs. And I think that you're right. When you go to that meet and greet and you're just chatting, you're not giving your best professional impression. Where when I show up at the meet and greet, they're paying for it. Or when I show up at the consultation, the client is paying for it. And they usually say, would you like something to drink? Would you like coffee? And they say, oh, not yet. Let's do the work first. And I just launch into work. And so I'm teaching them that my time is valuable and that I'm here to work I'm not here to chit-chat. I'm here to work. And the work we do, as you know, Adam, is so stressful and so demanding. And quite frankly, I don't think anybody would pay us to do it if it wasn't. I really don't. I think most people can pick out a sofa and pick out some pillows and do pretty well. Most people hire us because it is a nightmare to do this work. That, that's a really good point, Kimberly. And I think that's the other thing, just recently realizing and you know i've watched these videos over and over and, and sometimes i just want to hear the message again and again um it is so bloody hard yes. <laughs> you yes. sound very australian it's so bloody hard that you know you should we should be and i definitely am now absolutely the rate should be really a good rate and we should be making money because as you said it is very difficult I, I, anyone that says it's fun I quickly say, well, it's not all that much fun. It, it's it's funny though, isn't it? I mean, we still we still do it. It's 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 it can be very stressful. But you know, at the end of the day, when I get those photos done and they're really beautiful, and um and and I'm able to submit them, you know, which thankfully it's been a success for me personally or my business is that I've been able to get editorial. Um, but it's all worth it in the end, isn't it? When yes. you actually go through all of that stuff and you have the outcome and you kind of forget it after a while but um, yeah. you forget it for only a little while until you keep running over the same right. drama again if it's, you don't have yeah I know you haven't had place. you haven't had this experience but it's like having a baby you sort of forget how painful it is to have a baby or you probably wouldn't have another one and I had 11 pound babies which was really painful <laughs> um, but interior oh, no. design is even more painful believe it or not. And you're and I think a lot of us are people pleasers. We want we want happy clients. So for me that was one of the worst parts. It wasn't just that I wasn't getting published, which is I know that you do get published, which is great, but it was that I was disappointing people that I had a face-to-face -face relationship with and I didn't want to run into them at the grocery store and have them say, "Oh, there's that decorator who ruined my life." You know, I wanted them to say, "Hey, oh, that how is are so you?" The way it is. That is so true. Because I felt that a number of times and, and it's an awful feeling. Yeah. It's an awful feeling to feel, even though you didn't intend to create these problems, uh, it's an awful feeling to feel like I can't, I don't feel like I want to talk to Mrs. Smith because it didn't really turn out the way that I wanted it to and I'll just sort of sideline her and I won't ask her for a referral, I won't ask her for a review because I just don't think she'd feel comfortable. And that that. That situation can be created over and over again, as you know, without 
without making a change. Yeah. And, and having, because they're looking at us, so they're always looking at us to be the experts and to, to guide them, um, you know, and I see that look in the eyes in, in you know, potential clients, you know, or clients that go the whole way after a consultation. I just see that look of what are we doing? Like what, what do we do here and what, how can you guide us? And if you don't have those processes in, then that's how it can turn out. It can turn into a a very um, unsatisfactory experience, unfortunately. So yeah, but things are definitely uh, different now for me in terms of that all of that situation is no longer like I wouldn't even launch into a project again unless I was following um, with these 15 steps I, I wouldn't I just wouldn't do it I'm so happy to hear that I ran into somebody at a furniture store um, a couple of years ago and I said hey how are you because she'd taken some seminar seminars I knew her face she said I'm great she said I was doing so great I was using the 15 steps and she said and then I got a couple of little projects and I decided that they were so small that, you know, you really don't need 15 uh, steps for a little project, right? And I heard that. I heard that. Right? It totally, I completely understand because I've done it to myself. Like, it's just one little office. It's just one little bedroom. I'll just pop over and make it happen, you know, tickety-boo. And every time I do that, it's a mistake. And, and you mentioned working for friends and colleagues, and I now charge friends and colleagues the exact same thing I charge anybody. This is how I make a living. There's a responsibility and a yes. liability I accept when I do this work. And the funny thing was in the past, maybe the last 15 years ago, when I would do friends and and family for cheap, it ended badly. And ever since I started charging full-time to uh, my friends, I have done at least five or six projects for people I consider to be good friends. And most of them I've done more than one project for. We've remained friends. They think I'm expensive, but they think I'm worth it. And that's like the best compliment at all. She's she's expensive, but she's worth it. That's the customer I want. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that. And I did that recently. And I, I as I said, I, I, I spoke to you about it on the forum. I said, you know, I think I've really haven't done the right thing here. And as I was on that tollway, I don't know if they call them tollway over there, but you're on the freeway or whatever. And yeah, you know those automatic uh, toll tolls, they go bing, bing, and they charge you for going past here and going past there. On that free consult, I, it went, I went bing, I was in the car and it went bing, bing, and I thought how many tollway fees have I just paid to go out to my lovely um, <laughs> right? colleagues home right. for free, uh, you know, and I thought, gee, you know, this really doesn't need to happen anymore. So no. I agree with you. Free is not free. Free is not free. And if you're, if you're like me, I want my nails to look nice when I go to a consultation. So I might drop down, you know, $40 to get my manicure and pedicure or whatever. I probably have my hair done. I had to get my outfit out of the dry cleaners. Um, I've got to pay my insurance. Even, you know, as an interior design professional, I have incredible insurance that I have to pay and I've got association fees and business of design membership and all those things are expenses I pay all the time. I can't afford to do free. I know this wonderful woman, um, she's a singer, uh, she's Canadian, her name is Amy Skye. She's currently, I think, on tour in the U.S. with Olivia Newton-John. They do some kind of duet tour. And uh, years ago, Amy was in my book club and Amy said, free is $500. And she was referring to the fact that once you get kind of well-known as a designer or a singer or whatever, a lot of people will approach you to MC events or host events or do something for, quote, free for a good cause. And she said free is $500. If it's a really great cause that matters a lot and they want her, she has to pay for her nails, her stockings, her dry cleaning and her hair. So free is $500. And I'll, I'll never forget that. And I think of that all the time, like really, truly, you can't, you can't do this stuff for free. You really can't. Good point. Yeah. No, that's true. Definitely. What are you excited about moving forward? I'm excited about, uh, I'm excited just about the processes that that I'm following and I'm following them now. I've been following them all of this year. It took me a while to get through your content, Kimberly, but, um, and, and, and as I said, I had to sometimes play these videos a few times, but you know, my consult is there. It's a lot more than it used to be. 
Um, and as I mentioned, I went through corporate coaching one-on-one. When I say corporate, the coaching was really, I think, designed for, for people that were a lot larger than me as a business. Um, but also, too, obviously, if I'm, you know, I was paying a hefty fee for that coaching. And the first thing that that coach said, which is the same, I think, absolutely the same as you would tell me, is that you're not going to go to a consult for, you know, I'm not going to go to a consult for $200. Um, I'm going to go for, you know, for an hour consult for $375 um, or a two-hour consult for $550. You know, that's that's how things have changed. Mm-hmm. And it, it is true that once you just put it out there that people will actually just take it as that's the fee. Mm-hmm. And I did get a call, Kimberly, I'll admit to you recently, and, and she said, oh, look, I just want to do a consult with you and um, – I call it the essential consult now. So oh, I like um, that. She said, I need this, I need that. And, and I said, okay, um, you've been to my website? She said, yeah, been to the website. Da, 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 da. And I said, okay, so the fee is. And she said, yeah, it's 550 And I said, okay, great. So that's, you know, it's also too, isn't it, your fee yourself. You, you have to get yourself across the line from charging this figure to that figure. Yeah. and feel comfortable with it and be able to actually just stand up and say, I'm worth it. Mm-hmm. So, You know what? I honestly think you should just... well. Yeah, I think you should just raise the fee and you'll get comfortable with it after a while. A lot of people talk about raising the fee for years. And I've even met designers who are 30 and 40 years in the business who say, yeah, I know, I really should charge more. You know what? After 30 or 40 years, it's... Come on, what are you waiting for? Charge more now and you'll get comfortable with it. I was speaking to a designer recently, Kimberly, that um, somebody said to me at a family event, oh, speak to, I can't remember her name, uh, speak to so-and-so because she's been in design and she's let it go. She's not doing it anymore, but she's a great resource. Go and talk to her about design. So I had this conversation with her and I said, oh, how did you find it? Oh, forget it. She said, don't bother. And I said, oh, really? And I, <laughs> I'm probably two months into business of design. And I said, really, why, why, why wouldn't you recommend it? She said, you don't make any money. And she gave me the fee that she used to make per year. You don't get any money and people run you around and da 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 And, and I couldn't help it, Kimberly. I said, well, can I ask you a couple of questions? Did you have a contract? I didn't need a contract. No, <laughs> I didn't, didn't run with a contract. Um, and did you have this and did you have that? And I felt, unfortunately, for a couple of minutes there like I was interrogating her because I was plucking out this stuff from business of design wow. and saying, well, do you think it would have worked differently if you'd have done this or that or, or, or charged this or had a contract and had steps and this and that? And she ended up kind of looking at me weirdly and I thought, she did tell me I shouldn't be in the game. And I thought, well, if you're going to tell me I shouldn't be in the game and I love it, then I'm going to ask you about your processes and why your business didn't work out because I want to be in the game and I want to be successful and and this is where I stand on the topic and this is why. So um, that was an interesting experience recently which I kind of went through and I think it, it boils all down to your standards, doesn't it, Kimberly, and the fees that you will charge and, mm-hmm. and what you just, you know, you, you can't afford to go any further forward uh, in this type of industry if, if you don't charge appropriately for it. It's just too crazy. It's too difficult. You're so right. So that reminds me, when I was in design school, our business teacher, the teacher who taught the business of design, wasn't called that, but whatever, um, he said on the first day of class, how many of you want to make money? And a few tiny little hands went up in the air timidly. And he said, well, you're in the wrong business. This business is going to bleed you dry. You're going to die broken. You won't have any friends and you're going to be bitter like me. Don't you love it? And I'm like, oh my gosh, what have I done to my life? And you have demonstrated to me in this brief conversation that you have a maturity in looking at yourself and saying, hey, if this isn't working, look in the mirror. So the woman that you talk to is demonstrating a level of immaturity. It's not working and that's because it's somebody else's fault. It's the client's fault. You can't make any money because the suppliers don't let you, et cetera, et cetera. The fact of the matter is if you're not making money, if you're not having an enjoyable experience that's leading to repeat and referral clients, then you yourself are doing something wrong. And that was the most valuable thing I learned from my first business coach. Any complaint you have about your business, she said, file it with yourself because you're the boss and you've made crappy rules and you're suffering from crappy rules that you made. So let's make new rules. Let's do this differently. And I really hear that when I'm listening to you talk, that there's a level of maturity there. 
Uh, thank you, Kimberly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I did feel like that for some time. I was feeling it all of last year. Uh, why, why is this happening to me? Why are they, you know, why is she texting me at nine o'clock? You know, she, she should know that I'm not ready to talk about this or that at nine o'clock. And then again, I turned to myself, like you said, Kimberly, and I thought, hang on a second, you're the one that's creating these uh, we can have texts at midnight. We can have texts on New Year's Day at eight thirty in the morning. Right. You know, when I've had a great night and I'm not, I've got a bit of a headache um, about this and this and this and this. And I thought, well, I, I really, uh, I think you did a video on this. You know, the te the texting is for coffee runs or friends or or family, but um, I don't want to talk about business at six a.m. in the morning or nine o'clock at night. And it's all about just communicating those um, just basic rules of engagement, isn't yep. it, with, with clients? Yep. And it's so funny. I just innocently had a client we're doing a repeat job for, and she's got my cell phone because all my clients have the cell phone. And my staff knows if some a client phones me and says, what's going on, somebody's going to get fired because the client should not be phoning and saying what's going on. The client should know what's going on. It's our job to manage their expectations and let them know what's happening. So anyway, she had my cell phone and she just innocently texted me from a store and said, hey, I see this lamp. I think it would be great for Michelle's room. And I text back knowing that I don't do business by text. You know, I know that I don't do business by text. Oh, that's lovely. And then a couple of days later, another text and then another text. And then finally I had to say to her, I'm so sorry. I should have said the very first time you sent me a text that I do not accept texts from clients. They're for my kids. It's for my friends. My daughter's flying to Paris. When she lands, she's texting me. That's what texting is for in my life. I need us to limit our conversations to email. And you know what she said? Oh my gosh, I totally understand that. Thank you for letting me know, right? So all you have to do is set better rules for yourself and stop blaming the clients for texting you at 9 p.m. at night. When they text you at 9 p.m. at night, you let them know that you're open Monday to Friday, 9 to 5.30, and everything she wants to talk about can be put in an email or we'll have a phone call first thing Monday morning. So I think, I think so much of what was going wrong in my life was really my fault. And at the time that I graduated from design school in 91, nobody was sharing information openly in any way. I mean, nobody, no designers would give you helpful information. Everybody was guarding their information like it was, you know, top secret. They wouldn't tell you what they were charging. Um, you know, it, it was so sad. Um, and the fact of the matter is when we all do better, we all do better, right? We educate clients how it works. Yeah. Definitely. And I don't for one minute blame Kimberly, the client. And uh, it took a little while to, 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 to realise that, that, hello, you're the one setting the expectations or not setting them. Um, so I don't blame them at all for that. And, and the good thing about coming through that uh, and just realising, you know, that um, I'm the one that needs to set the expectations around that. So it's absolutely not about the client. I think 99% of the time it's about you and what you have allowed to happen by mm -hmm. not putting in, um, you know, some some respectful boundaries that just set the scene for the working relationship. So, yeah, I agree. Oh, I Absolutely. love that. Okay, at the end of the podcast, sometimes I will ask people some rapid fire questions, and I'm looking for just you know top of mind, brief answers um, to to just questions that might be helpful and actionable to people who are listening. So, off the top of your head, with no warning at all, Adam, what would you say is your favorite thing that you now have in your contract? Billing for deficiencies. <laughs> oh, that's such a good one. Good for you. Tell me. Uh, again, I went through this last year. I had a problem um, with some rugs and, uh, yeah, sure, I'll take care of it. And, you know, it took three trips. Uh, you know, it was a location. It's not right next door to where I actually reside. Um, but I thought, my God, I've just, how many hours here? And next thing you'll probably ask me is how. How do I track the hours, which I do now properly? But um, yeah, billing for deficiencies. You know, if it's not your fault, then why should you be paying for the time it's taking to get resolved? And again, um, I didn't. I didn't set that expectation with the client that it was up to to her or him to do that. Um, it was me that just agreed to to run around, and I added it up actually, and it was like nine hours of meeting with the rug company, 
going, I accepted the new rugs, I did this, I did that. And it was like, it really isn't my fault. The, the rugs are faulty. They were, they were faulty, the product. And um, they were replaced and everything was great. But there was hours of time right. to, to fix that. So I definitely have in my contract, and I read out this particular part of the contract recently and just really went through it. And the good thing about it is that it, I didn't flinch because I had it down in writing. And I said, this is, this is the way it works. If it's my fault, of course, I'm going to not ch- bill for it. But if it isn't my fault, then somebody has to do it. And right. why should I not charge for it? And of course, sometimes clients will say, but shouldn't you find vendors who don't make mistakes? And I say, like, not in this universe, <laughs> not in this world, not in the world we live in. Doesn't right? happen. It's just, it just doesn't exist. But the fact of the matter is the more you develop relationships with your suppliers and you become a key customer, someone they really, really matters because you give them repeat and volume business, the more they will kill themselves to fix deficiencies um, uh, to your liking. That's so, so true, Kimberly. Yeah, that'll get better and better. Yeah. Okay, do you mind if I ask um, your hourly rate? What is your hourly rate now? $180. Terrific. Do you have it on your website? Yes. Oh, that's so good. That's just so good. Okay, here's the last question. This will really throw you. I have not been to Australia yet. I need to get to Australia. Why not? I, I just have never been invited. <laughs> so I need to get to, to some group of interior come. design professionals and I want to come to Australia and I want to speak. And we are talking about an affiliate program where we kind of um, train some people who are great advocates of business of design and let them go out and speak and support them with what we materials we can help support them with. So you'd be a great candidate for that. So would Veronica. I'm going to talk to do Veronica about that. Yeah, do we you do. Want me to do that? We do. We want. We, okay. We we definitely do. Um, where's the form? Where's the contract? It's really powerful. <laughs> it's really powerful when yeah, you hear other people cool. talk about it. You know, not just yeah. me all the time. So that's exciting. So thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and being so open and honest. I appreciate that. Um, you know, it takes a lot of courage and bravery to talk about the way that we failed. But I think you can do that because you now yeah. have a plan to be much more successful. And I want you to come back on the podcast uh, maybe in six months or so after you've got a couple of successful projects under your belt. And I want you to describe you know, before and after for us how it works with the 15 steps that you've been using. I'd love to do that. So absolutely. Okay, good. Absolutely. All right. In the meantime, you and I will talk about that affiliate program and how I'm going to get myself to Australia. I know you can't go for a weekend. It's a pretty big place, I understand. So I got to figure out how to how to uh, come for a quick business visit and then stay, stick around for a few weeks for holidays because that sounds wonderful. I think it'd be great. I don't think that a lot of people know about business of design here, Kimberly. Um, but I think it's a great idea and I think, you know, there's a lot of people here that could benefit from the program Um, and I'm definitely one of those people so you should definitely book that um, flight and come over and say hi. We'd love to have you come over. Oh, that sounds great. Adam, thank you so much for getting up early this morning and visiting with us. You take care and we'll be in touch. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. I've had a great time. Thank you, Kimberly. Of course. Thank you. I hope you'll come check us out at businessofdesign.com. We are an online community of interior design professionals providing you education and resources to help you not only survive in business, but thrive. Membership is very affordable, starting at $67.50 a month. There are more than 100 courses to choose from, plus we are adding new content all the time. And for members, we also do webinars and coaching through the forum. We'd love to have you join us. Also, do us a huge favor and subscribe to our podcasts so you never miss even one. Thanks so much.